Ancient Aliens even did an episode on the, the Rendlesham Forest incident, which is Britain's yeah. most famous UFO case. That was something, I, I think we recorded it at the end of 2010. And one of the witnesses um, got got a almost a, a sort of download of ones and zeros. And, and Ancient Aliens found a computer scientist who knew how to, to take binary code and and essentially say well look is is this a message and you know, people can make of this what they will but the the translation came back exploration of humanity continuous for planetary advance eyes of your eyes origin year 8100 and so yes th- these were military witnesses by the way, and and one of them is absolutely convinced, uh, going to the heart of your question, that this was a message from the future. Hey, on Explained Minds, if you could please subscribe and share. We appreciate you. And now, Nick Pope. We are Area 51 Coffee Company. Coffee for regular humans and coffee with twice the caffeine of a typical cup with a buzz that's out of this world. Coffee connoisseurs from across the galaxy seek out our smooth brew with a hint of sweetness in a perfect roast. Area51CoffeeCo.com You will also be assimilated with our Area 51 merchandise. We are invading Earth one cup at a time. We are Area 51 Coffee Company. Area51CoffeeCo.com All Things Unexplained presents, in association with the History Channel, Ancient Aliens Spotlight. Featuring Nick Pope. Hello, all you unexplained ones. This is CJ Derringer. I am joined with my co-host, Dr. Tim Mounts. And we are so lucky today, all of us that are huge fans of ufology or huge fans of the History Channel, we have the one and only Nick Pope joining us to dive into ancient aliens. This is our ancient alien spotlight. And Nick is a former member of the Ministry of Defense for the UK. He spent three years studying UAPs. He has a wealth of knowledge on all things related to UFOs and UAPs. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, 
Yes. So all kinds of exciting things happening for Ancient Aliens and the History Channel. We're going to dive in first with this Ancient Aliens live tour that you guys are all going on. We have some dates coming up. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing with this tour. Well, it's great fun and really fascinating. It's it's a 90-minute stage show with with an opportunity to, to meet us afterwards and we go out on the road it's it's essentially Giorgio Sukalos, William Henry, David Childress and myself and we have a conversation that goes everywhere from from the pyramids and Puma Punku right through to the modern UAP mystery and all the things unfolding in congress right now and with the whistleblowers so we bridge the ancient and the modern. We've done about 40 dates so far, and we're about to set out on the, the spring 2024 uh, tour. We have another 20 or so dates in the diary all around the United States. So it's, it's um, come and see us. Yes. Yeah, that's so fun for people that love this show. And there are so many people that love this show. What a great opportunity to get in there and see you guys in person. Do you guys take any questions from the audience at all? Yeah, we we uh, ask that people you know pre-submit questions, and then we pick out some ones which which we think are either interesting or fun or both. And uh, so you never know quite what you're going to get. But and again, we try and cover a lot of the United States geographically. So we've been all over. We went to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we did the Midwest. A lot of shows in the Northeast. Then we went down to. Florida. All the upcoming dates are on the website, which is ancientaliensLiveTour.com, and people can find out about the show and book some tickets. How exciting. What's been the most rowdy city you've been to so far? Uh, now, I'm, am I going to get into trouble if I say it was New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they fun. Were, they were a feisty audience, um, <laughs> but in a good way. Oh, that's great. Great. Good. Well, for anybody that wants to check that out again, that's ancientaliensLiveTour.com. Go ahead and get yourself some tickets. I think you can even purchase an add-on where you can meet the members of that crew after the show, or is it before the show? It's after the show. You after can the show. come up and uh, get a get a photo with us, stand next to whichever one of us you like. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's great fun too. You, they get to pick and choose. It's like eighth grade <laughs> dance all over again. I'll take... But you, you, we're all in, we're all in the picture. But people, oh, good. <laughs> some, people sometimes have a, you know, I want to, I want to be next to Giorgio, or I want to be next to David Childress, or, or something like that. Oh, that is excellent. Well, and you guys have this tour because this ancient alien shows has just taken on a life of its own. I mean, we're talking season twenty. And all of the things that have happened in the government and just with disclosure and what have you over the past few years have really influenced how everybody is now looking at UFOs. But Ancient Aliens has been there since 2010, giving us information about what might possibly going, be going on. And now we've got season 20. And tonight we have episode six going live with the top 10 ancient alien disasters, which is exciting. Is there anything that you can tell us about this particular episode? Well, people love these top 10 shows. We've been doing quite a lot of them. And, and of course, you know, disasters and things, it's always a little bit of dark side to some of this, which, which can be quite fun for the audience. And uh, we're going to be looking at everything from, from the extinction of the dinosaurs to the great 
flood uh, and things like that, and some more modern events like the the Fukushima nuclear uh, right. disaster. And and people, of course, you know, this has been the the idea, for example, of a connection between UFOs and nuclear weapons has been discussed in Congress and is literally written into the National Defense Authorization Act now, where people are saying, is there a connection between UAP and nuclear sites? So basically, Congress has asked the DOD and the intelligence community to go and find out. So these subjects, which once maybe people would have regarded as fringe. They they are now in the mainstream, which is really, I think, quite telling. Yes, it is quite telling. And this is full circle. We've actually had somebody on our show that was involved in the Maelstrom uh, nuclear weapon incident, that those weapons were shut down. And um, you know what's so interesting about this particular top 10 episode, I watched it, we got a little preview of it. And the whole time I kept going, okay, does Tim have some sort of way to remote view into the future and watch this episode because every debate he and I have ever had in the past was on this show, was on this episode. Even live recording one time, Tim casually said, well, maybe that was the UFO that took out the dinosaurs. I said, what are you talking about? Where did this come from? And here on this episode, you guys talk about the possibility that maybe some sort of alien life form redirected the meteor, the asteroid that ran into, into Earth. And I thought, well, without without that asteroid, uh, we would not have seen, I guess, the dawn of the age of the mammals, or certainly not in the, the successful way that ultimately led to the development of human civilization. So you you look back at all these these uh, pivotal moments in the history of planet Earth, and and you always ask yourself, and and that's the great thing about ancient aliens. It it doesn't preach to to people. It always asks, you know, what if. Yes. Or could it be? And you you hear Robert Clotworthy, the narrator, you hear his melodious tones <laughs> ask these these questions and and then uh, the audience can can watch and make up their own minds. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely present things in a way that is if this happened, then could this be, which really took my mind on just a wild adventure as I've been watching watching these shows. The Great Flood, as you mentioned, is another thing that Tim and I have debated over many years now, especially as it relates to several religions. It's not just in the Christian Bible that we have this Great Flood. It's in so many different religious texts. And could that have been something that was caused by ancient aliens and well, redirected? Yeah, that's what we always look for when something is so universal, so cross-cultural across all the different religions and all the different peoples and civilizations of the world. As you say, so many of them have this, this myth and legend of this great flood. And, and so again, you, you try and join the dots. Yes. Well, you have such a wonderful background and wealth of knowledge, which I'm sure that's why you got pulled into this show. And Tim wanted to dive into a little bit about, about your background. But again, for those listening, that new Ancient Aliens episode comes out tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, right after this podcast. So please do go check it out. You can submit your comments here and um, let us know what you think. That's Over right. to you, Tim. And we're so pleased to be joined by Nick Pope from the hit show on History Channel, Ancient Aliens. Nick, thanks so much for being with us. You have been referred to by the media as the Fox Mulder. 
of the British government's version of the X-Files. Can you give us a little insight into how this began for you? Sure. Well, I was a civilian employee of the UK Ministry of Defense, which is, is Britain's equivalent of the Department of Defense. And I had a 21-year career there, but for much of the early 90s, I was posted to a division where my duties included researching and investigating the UAP or UFO, whichever term you like, uh, phenomenon, and of course, the individual sightings. We got several hundred each year. And my job was to assess whether there were, were defense, national security, and safety of flight issues with any of this, which there most certainly were. I mean, come on, every, anything in our airspace that can do the sorts of things that these things do in terms of speeds, maneuvers, and acceleration, uh, that gets our attention for sure. And then the British government declassified and released a lot of the files and documents, many of which I wrote. So even though I'm still bound by a non disclosure, agreement. As long as something is either unclassified or has been declassified, and, and we've declassified about 60,000 pages of, of documents, then I can talk about it. And, and that's what I do on shows like Ancient Aliens, where hopefully I give a bit of insider perspective uh, as to how those of us who've looked at this subject from inside government view this topic and handle it. Hey, Unexplained One, do you know what keeps me going each day? Coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. If you want the best coffee this side of the Milky Way, then you need to go check out Area 51 Coffee Co. They offer their extraterrestrial bean coffee for us regular humans and their DEFCON 1 coffee that has twice the caffeine for those who are ready to take their taste buds on a journey to the unknown. Head to area51coffeeco.com to grab yourself a bag and check out their extraordinary merchandise. That's area51coffeeco.com. Invading Earth, one cup at a time. You mentioned, you know, looking into these cases, were there any key characteristics of UFO encounters that made them special to you and you, you could not account it to prosaic explanations like weather balloons, for example, such as the physics or physical evidence or maybe detecting particular frequencies, for example, with them? Anything that just said to you, hey, this could be a legitimate situation here? Yes, the ones that really got our attention were the ones where our, our own Air Force pilots encountered these things and where simultaneously, and this was the really important point, we had corroboration in terms of radar data. So when, when a pilot uh, sees something and, and then the radar operator is simultaneously tracking it, then that's great. And sometimes, of course, you go for, for the three out of three, which is if you get gun camera footage or, as, as we would say now, forward-looking infrared videos. And we've seen some of those, actually, more recently, mainly from the United States, of course, and, and Ancient Aliens has shown, for example, those U.S. Navy videos. But what we look for, in terms of your question about physics, is something that implies almost a new physics or, or physics that we don't yet currently understand, uh, maybe a propulsion system that we don't have. So sudden acceleration from almost stationary to very high max speeds in a situation where ground observers, for example, don't hear a sonic boom. That is what we're really interested in. Right. And of course, the fact that, you know, we have these things in the sky 
kind of the logical next step is what's in control of them? Do they have pilots? Is there some sort of intelligent um, control over these UFOs or UAPs? And what's been your sense in terms of that next step there? Well, it's interesting because you look at the shape of these things and shapes have varied over the years, but people are now focusing in on, on the sort of small oval shape, call, call it the Tic Tac, like that famous sighting, of course, from the USS Nimitz, but also spherical objects. So you look at these things and you say, well, wait a minute, there's, there's no fuselage, there's no wings, there's no tail, there's no rudder, there's no engine. Uh, there's no cockpit. What's going on? And and so you you see something like that, and then uh, you look at what the U.S. intelligence community said. And in June 2021, and again, Ancient Aliens did an episode on this. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence issued a report about UAP, a preliminary assessment, and said that some of these sightings. The objects displayed a degree of signature management, and that goes to the heart of your question about, you know, is there a, an intelligence behind this? This is not just something drifting on the wind. There is a technology here. Signature management is, is for example, you know, making your object stealthy, so it's much harder to pick up on on radar, and that's what we're dealing with. Right, and of course, there have been a lot of theories on the potential origins for UFOs and the and maybe the pilots as well. Are they extraterrestrial? Are they interdimensional? Are they have they are just already here? Have you gotten a sense of you know one way that you would lean for that? Well, in a sense, the simplest and most popular explanation when you have these sorts of of craft. And I say the simplest, I guess, of course, let's not forget, there are some misidentifications and some hoaxes, and there are some sensor errors. And some of these things will be our own technology, secret prototype aircraft, missiles and drones, whether they belong to the United States or whether they belong to a foreign nation. But when you strip out all those sightings and say, well, what are we left with? The core phenomenon the simplest explanation the most popular is well somewhere else in the universe a civilization has arisen and is doing what we're just beginning to do explore reach out see what's out there but i always like to say these theories are not mutually exclusive so you could have a situation where we are being visited by extraterrestrials but there are also other things going on at the same time uh, separate but related and some of those things might be interdimensional. Some of those things might be time travel from the future or maybe from the ancient past. Who knows? Uh, so so it's a really complex and interesting situation right now. And, and advanced theoretical physics is beginning to look at some of these exotic theories. There are some professors like, like Ronald Mallet doing some research into time travel. People like Michio Kaku, who, of course, has been on Ancient Aliens a lot is doing research at the Large Hadron Collider Particle Accelerator to look for these so-called hidden dimensions that are needed, for example, if string theory is to hold together. Right. And do you think physics and science is really the key to getting to the bottom of the phenomenon? I think it is, because 
it's not to say that there isn't a dedicated army of ancient astronaut theorists and UFO researchers out there, but I think it's going to be science and academia that might just push us over the line. And uh, we, we talk about people like uh, Michio Kaku, but also Professor Avi Loeb, who's doing such a lot of great work at the moment with Galileo Project at Harvard. And, and these people are trailblazers and they're daring to, to look at and investigate things that perhaps a few years ago, some of their, their peers would have frowned on. But I think it's one of those classic cases. I know it's a little cliche, but it's true. Yesterday's science fiction is today's science fact. Right. And of course, this gets at the heart of ancient aliens, right? Like ancient is, is in the name of the show. And so this kind of comes into some people would say conflict, but some people would say harmony with the physics and the science. This notion of, well, how long has this phenomenon even been here? Yes, I like to think that we'll find a bridge between the ancient and the modern. And, and I know there are some scholars who deep dive into, say, the Bible and other religious uh, texts and other ancient writings and try and find things that are, are written up, which they believe might show that the ancients had knowledge of advanced physics concepts that are, are just being perhaps described in 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 more mythological terms and again i know there are scientists and engineers who have taken the book of ezekiel and and the descriptions there and tried to to reconstruct actual physical craft using using the texts that we have from so long ago right and there has been a lot of talk recently from different folks in government and military about a this potential spiritual connection. You know, maybe some, is it demons? Is it angels? Is it some sort of nefarious situation like this going on? Have you gotten any sort of sense in your years of looking into the phenomenon about there's some crossover here or some, you know, defining characteristics of, of these situations? Sure. I, I mean, you know, gods, devils, angels, demons. I sometimes think all all of these things or a lot of these things and, and from mythology to dwarves, elves, fairies, um, these are just labels that we put on things. And and maybe sometimes the reality is is going to be stranger than we know and stranger than we can imagine. But again, it gets to the heart of of ancient astronaut theory, the idea that perhaps we were visited in the past by extraterrestrials who, who our ancestors sometimes perceived as gods and, and then, you know, constructed these great monuments in commemoration of, of what to them would have been a, a life-changing visitation. You've been intimately involved in government and its investigation in UAPs, Nick, are we experiencing some sort of alien intervention or, you know, effect on governments worldwide? 
We might be, but again, I, I, there may be different things going on. And just to, to go back to your last question, again, it's a little bit dark side, but there's no getting away from the fact that a, a faction in certainly the United States government does think that some of this might be demonic. I remember when Lou Elizondo from the ATIP program was talking to one of his Pentagon bosses about this. He got the reply, you know, go read your Bible, son. So, so that's a, a factor. And, and again, you, you look at all of this and there are rumors going around. There have been rumors for the last few weeks. I'm sure you've heard them too, certainly on social media, that the James Webb Space Telescope might have found something. Uh, certainly there are a number of astronomers and astrophysicists who have dropped some heavy hints that there might be a paper out there being peer-reviewed right now? Is it a biosignature? Is it a techno-signature? Are we going to get into a scientific debate about if, if they have found something, could the data be indicative of something biological? Or might the skeptics say, well, could it be geological? And, and so I think over the next few weeks and months, we are going to be in a really interesting place with this. Right. And you know what? One of the things I'm really interested in, and it's especially of yours and something that you've delved into, and but not just you, but interestingly, many folks from ufology lore, such as, such as Jacques Vallée and other people in uh, aerospace, biotech, etc., have delved into this realm of remote viewing. Can you give us just, can you tell some of our listeners what exactly is remote viewing? And how does it connect to ufology? It's sometimes called psychic spying. It's the idea that if psychic powers are real, they could be used by governments to go after the sorts of things that intelligence folks in government always like to go after, whether it's the location of, of ballistic missile submarines, whether it's missile silos. Uh, and again, you wonder about the UFO and nuclear connection that we talked about, or, or whether it's spies in your own government, whatever it is. But there's no doubt. I mean, it's not denied. You can read some of the declassified um, documents and files. There, there's no denying that the US government and, and the intelligence community has dabbled in remote viewing. There have been a number of programs. Uh, again, Ancient Aliens did an episode where we did it. I, I did an episode where I worked with some remote viewers, and, and we tried to, to see if there was a, a connection, see if they could remote view extraterrestrials and UFOs. And, and of course, the, with the government programs, the results of all this are still classified, but the program names, for example, Grill Flame, Sunstreak, most famously Stargate, uh, those names are out there. And the British government, the Ministry of Defense, we did a study too, not a very good one, I say, but we did one. Right. And speaking of that, beyond remote viewers, have do you think that certain people have more of a proclivity for being in touch with the phenomenon than other people for whatever reason? Most definitely, yes. And that's one of the most interesting questions about this entire phenomenon, because when it comes to witnesses, uh, you do seem to get what I would call repeater witnesses. And when you get to those people claiming close encounters, whether it's it's alien abduction, contact experience, whatever you 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 
term it, those experiences often last a lifetime. And and if we could find what it is about these people, I mean, are are they, is there something about them, blood, whether it's blood groups, whether it's psychic abilities, uh, whatever it is, if we could find out what that is that binds these people together and connects them, it might tell us something really interesting and important about the phenomenon itself. And, and this is almost the $64,000 question, the agenda, whatever that might be, of, of the intelligence behind this phenomenon. Right. And I'll tell you, Nick, something that's really interesting. And I was talking to CJ about this. I don't know if surreal is the right word, but something that has become a major part of the UFO phenomenon and ufology itself is ancient aliens. And CJ wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that. I do. And before I do that, I'm going to go off script a little bit here because you had mentioned time travel and all of a sudden my mind started spinning. Do you think, or has anybody had a conversation about the possibility that what we are seeing, what this phenomenon is, is humans in the future traveling back in time to somehow sway human behavior? Yes, and Ancient Aliens even did an episode on the the Rendlesham Forest incident, which is Britain's most famous UFO case. That was something, I, I think we recorded it at the end of 2010, and one of the witnesses um, got got a almost a, a sort of download of ones and zeros. And and ancient aliens found a computer scientist who knew to, how to to take binary code and and essentially say, well, look, is is this a message? And you know, people can make of this what they will, but the the translation came back: exploration of humanity continuous for planetary advance eyes of your eyes origin year 8100 and so yes these were military witnesses by the way and and one of them is absolutely convinced uh, going to the heart of your question that this was a message from the future and the kind of interesting thing about that a lot of people sometimes say well why would these little gray aliens that are often reported why would they look essentially humanoid? What if that's what we evolve into in in thousands of years' time? And that would explain it. And, and if that's true, why are they coming back? And, and what do they want from us? So that's why I say ideas of time travel from the future uh, and other dimensions go right into the mix, right alongside other theories like extraterrestrials. Yes. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the gray aliens and what they might look like because often aliens are portrayed with huge heads, right? And you would think that as humans evolve, our brains certainly are the most important part of our functioning. You would assume that our brains would continue to evolve, especially with all of the technology that we have these days and how much time we spend using our brains versus our physical bodies. Um, So, and I think that that binary code that you're talking about was actually in one of these top 10 countdowns, maybe episode five of season 20. They talked about that code as well, which was really, really interesting. But going back to the idea of what aliens look like or how they are portrayed, one thing that we've been talking a lot about recently, because we have um, Diana Pasolka coming on the show next week, we've been listening to her book, American Cosmic, and she talks a lot about how media changes the way people see reality. 
So the way that we picture Jesus, for example, is from how media has portrayed him. The way that we picture aliens is a lot to do with how media has portrayed them. How do you think the show Ancient Aliens has changed the general perception of ufology in our nation's history? I think one of the things that Ancient Aliens does really well is it it makes people think about the fact that when, when you think about the UFO phenomenon, a lot of people instantly go, oh, yes, Roswell, 1947, and this is a modern phenomenon. What Ancient Aliens does is it says, well, wait a minute, you know, all sorts of things have happened going back perhaps to the dawn of time and certainly to the emergence of, of humanity as, as a, a civilization and and said these these modern things that we're seeing in the sky may just be the latest iteration of something that's always been with us and and so episodes have looked for example at at images in in medieval art work uh, some of the petroglyphs that we have mm. from native american and first nations uh, where you look at i mean one of those episodes i know that giorgio and william henry uh, went with with a, a navajo ranger john dover to rock art ranch in arizona and i am not kidding one of those petroglyphs one of those ancient petroglyphs looked for all the world like a gray alien so so i think again you're looking back into human history and saying maybe some of these things that some some modern scholars say oh yes it's just myth and legends no maybe maybe our ancestors were smarter than than those people are giving them credit for and they were were faithfully recording what they were seeing and what they were seeing is is what we in the modern era would call gray aliens and ufos yeah absolutely and people are trying to record those things now too we're just doing it with cameras and <laughs> phones and things like that but to go back and watch ancient aliens and all of the seasons that you guys have created thus far and all of the different things that you have shown us from the periods from all, just all of the code that's written out there especially you guys did one on code on different codes that we are finding it's really hard to believe that humans created some of this. I know that I couldn't go out there. I couldn't get some of the greatest minds in this town to go outside with me right now and build some of the things that apparently came from thousands of years ago. It would be really hard to not look outside your current knowledge to yes. get more information. Yes, and I, I mean, all sorts of people debate whether we could even do something like construct the pyramids these days. And, and the pyramids, great example. The more you you look at it, we are still finding things in the pyramids. It's, it seems like every every week or month there's a new story about uh, is there another hidden chamber or a, a shaft that we haven't found yet? And does any of this tie in with some of the legends about a lost hall of records or, or the location of the mysterious Ark of the Covenant? And, and again, uh, going back to the question about science and technology, that we're finding new evidence of hidden cities in in the amazon in central america again using science using whether it's ground penetrating radar whether it's satellite technology we're finding whole new cities and we're finding things about our past and and i think that's the great thing about ancient aliens it's 
it's a his, it's it's a history show. It's also arguably a travel show where we take the viewer all around the world, and it's a show where where sometimes breaking news develops, and you'll see something on 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 the news in in the newspaper, whatever it is, and it's like, wow, they found another lost city in the what's down there. Yes. It makes me want to travel so much. I want to go see all of these places. Yeah. To find a lost city, you would think that we have traversed all of the world at this point, but we clearly have not. There's so much to discover still, especially in our oceans. We Again, it's, it's a cliche, but it's true. We know less about the deep ocean than we do about the surface of the moon or Mars. Yes. What is lurking down deep? All very exciting. For those that are just joining us, we have the pleasure to speak with Nick Pope. We are doing an Ancient Aliens Spotlight. They are in season 20. Tonight airs episode six. So far this season, they have done a look back on their top 10 uh, different things. Tonight's episode is about ancient alien disasters. Starting next Friday, there's a new episode with brand new content that you can dive into as well. So we are so grateful to have Nick here. And we want to get some more insight from you. So Tim, I'm going to throw it back to you for our next segment, our hot takes. That's right, CJ. Now it's time for our Area 51 Coffee Company hot takes brought to you by Area 51 Coffee Company. Get yours now at area51coffeeco.com. It's amazing. It's hot. It keeps CJ and I going. (laughs) So, Nick, we talk a lot about the Roswell incident. We look at this as the keystone incident of all of ufology practically from 1947, and our listeners are quite familiar with Roswell. But one thing they're not quite as familiar with is the Rendlesham incident, the Rendlesham Forest incident with, from 1980. Some people call this the British version of the Roswell incident. What happened at the Rendlesham Forest incident, Nick? Well, although it's called Britain's Roswell, uh, the interesting thing is that this didn't crash. It landed. Um, this was activity over three consecutive nights. U.S. Air Force bases on British soil, and most of the witnesses were military. Something landed fairly briefly, then took off again. Um, There were strange symbols on the side of it, and one of the witnesses touched the side and got that, that almost download of ones and zeros that we talked about in, in the previous segment. Uh, which which some people believe is indicative of, of time travel. But what was really, I think, important about Rendlesham is that there was this physical uh, trace evidence on the ground because when this thing landed on the, the hard, frozen soil, it made indentations, which showed the thing weighed several tons. One of the witnesses on, on the third night of activity included the deputy base commander he didn't see the thing landed that was the first night but he saw it in the sky fire a beam of light down uh, near him and and his men uh, but we got from the landing site uh, there were burn marks there were scorch marks uh, the thing was tracked on radar briefly but most importantly there there were radioactivity levels which were assessed as being significantly higher than the average background. And again, all of this is documented in the declassified U.S. Air Force and British Ministry of Defense files. So so even for the skeptics, there's a paper trail here of documents telling their story. What are the odds that this was a foreign adversary? 
Well, you know, aviation technology, aerospace tech, obviously does run several years ahead of what's publicly declared. So you can say, well, you know, something like stealth was flying a few years before people knew about it. But when you look at the Rendlesham Forest incident, and again, it, it had this object that came down vertically, took off vertically, and then from this hover went off at high max speed with no sonic boom. That was 1980. And, and I think certainly those aerospace engineers that I've spoken to about that said, well, yeah, even though the tech runs, runs a few years behind what's public, we'd have seen something like that. By now, so it's it's a real head scratcher, I think. If, if this tech is is terrestrial, where is it? I, we'd have seen it in the Smithsonian by now. Yeah, the no sonic boom is what really gets me because I grew up in a very heavily aerospace development area. I mean, at Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Northrop—they were all out there, and we heard sonic booms all the time. <laughs> I mean, that was a big, a big part of our life growing up with sonic booms. And, you know, this is the late 80s, early 90s when they're developing the B-2 bomber and things like that. So if you're saying this happened in the 80s, no sonic boom from this craft, that's a pretty big deal. It's one of the so-called five observables about modern UAP that government look for when we investigate this. One of the others is transmedium travel, the apparent ability of these craft to move from space um, to the atmosphere to under the water seamlessly. And again, we've seen some films of that, official films. There's one, one certainly from US Homeland Security uh, that's in the public domain, but there are some other videos too. And again, that's why the military and the intelligence community is, I think, finally catching up to, to where the UFO community were years ago and saying, wait a minute, this is, this is important. We need to figure this out. Yeah, it seems like we do need to figure this out. Well, we are thankful that we have had some of your insight, but we opened up uh, an opportunity for fans of the Ancient Aliens show to submit some questions because, of course, the people that watch your show all want to do a deep dive with us. So we hope you'll be willing to do about five questions with us or so. Sure. That's okay. Absolutely. Hey, Unexplained Ones, are you ready for your next adventure? Then look no further than UFO Watchtower in Hooper, Colorado. Experience the wonder of the cosmos with guided tours, skywatching events, and firsthand accounts of their over 300 UFO sightings. Whether you're a seasoned ufologist or just curious, the UFO Watchtower welcomes you to explore the mysteries of the universe. They are currently open on weekends for tours or during the week for camping. Give them a call at 719-378-2296 to book your trip today. Right. So Tim, if you'll pull those up on the screen for me, we've got from history. Would we say Perot? History.perot. What is your take on the military shootdowns of the Chinese spy balloon and UFOs over Super Bowl weekend last year? Well, that's interesting because there were four shootdowns. The first one was absolutely a Chinese spy balloon, but the US government over a year on has been completely silent on the other three. We know they have video footage of at least one of them, and they've said, well, we can't show that because it would disclose classified um, capabilities of our surveillance system. Then almost literally the week after that, they showed a Russian aircraft flying very close to a U.S. drone. So they show these things when they want to, um, <laughs> but not when they don't. So it's a really good question, and we are still all waiting 
for information about those other three sightings. The good news is Congress hasn't forgotten and they're pushing for answers too. Oh, that's good. It feels like it was either, oopsies, we just spent millions of dollars to shoot down something small or they have information on something much bigger that's happening out there that they don't want to share. Mm-hmm. And All it right, was not a Pico balloon. It was not <laughs> a kid's We've Pico done a deep balloon. dive, yes, on, on the Pico balloon theory. And uh, yeah, we don't think so. Okay. Emily asks, Nick, can you share a memorable encounter or investigation related to UFOs that left a lasting impression on you? Well, in 1993, right in the middle of my posting on the Ministry of Defense UFO program, we had a wave of sightings that took place over a period of about six hours in the UK, hundreds of witnesses, huge triangular shaped craft flew directly over two Air Force bases. And what most struck me about that, uh, and again, it fired a narrow beam of light down at the, the ground, which was tracking backwards and forwards as if it was looking for something, went from a speed of about 30 or 40 miles an hour uh, to high max speed. Again, no sonic boom. I interviewed one of the witnesses over the phone, a military witness, the following morning. And he said to me, his voice was still shaking. He said, Nick, I've been in the Air Force eight years. I see fast attack helicopters, military jets every day of my life. He said, I've seen nothing like this before, ever. And, and that really did leave an impression. That's incredible. So this is obviously declassified since you're talking about it. Is there yes. a name for this particular incident? Yes, it's called the Cosford incident. Cosford. And my, yes, my case file, uh, C-O-S-F-O-R-D, my case file has been declassified and you can find it at the uh, UK National Archives. So it's okay. out there. Wonderful. We're going to have to take a peek at that one. Okay, from Laura, if aliens had a favorite Earth snack, what do you think <laughs> it would be and why might they find it out of this world? Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, going with your theme, I'm going to have to say, I don't know that this counts as a snack, but I, I would say a cup of coffee. Isn't there something <laughs> Isn't there something universally appealing about a cup yes. of coffee yes. that, that so many people all around the world in all different cultures start their day with a cup of coffee? Mm -hmm. It's something that binds humanity together. I hope they're coming here for the coffee. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say something like scotch egg or haggis. Well, all, all of those things, I think uh, some of those things anyway, are unique to just one culture. But coffee, you can yes. go to any continent in the world uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll find coffee. and You'll right. find people who love it and drink it. I mean, even aliens are just trying to get through the day, right? We just need that extra yeah. boost. Aliens can have time. a, you know, a slow morning and what better than a, a good cup of coffee. And what what better place to just observe humans than to go into a coffee shop and sit there and sip and see what people are getting into. That's well, so I like, true. I like to think that if, if we've been visited by aliens, that they're coming here not to invade us or enslave us or exterminate us or conquer us, but but they're coming as anthropologists to study us. Yes. And I think what you just said, we go to a coffee house, go to a cafe, watch humans interact and talk. Yes. It's where to find aliens, folks. You heard it, yeah. heard it here first. They're, <laughs> they're in the cafe. <laughs> your your barista could yeah. be a mantid or a reptilian. You never know. <laughs> 
Oh, it all comes back to that Roddy Router Piper movie, Tim. <laughs> they live. Um, okay, okay, next question is from Brent. Nick, in your experience, what commonalities or patterns have you observed in accounts of alien abductions reported by individuals? Oh, that's an interesting one. And it, it ties back to something we were discussing earlier about if we could find what it is that links these people together. It would tell us something important there. There are some people who believe that a disproportionate number of, of these abductees or experiencers have rhesus negative blood type. I'm not sure we have enough data to say that. So at the moment, I would characterize that as a theory uh, rather than something that's been proven. But again, that's something that I hope uh, science and academia can get into. I, I know that people like Professor John Mack at, at Harvard, who, who now now, of course, deceased, but some years ago was um, looking at the abductees as, as a serious scientific study. So, yeah, maybe it's something with the blood groups. Uh, maybe it's something with the locations. Again, people talk about UFO hotspots. Is there a connection between UFOs and nuclear sites? That's something to look at. Um, all good questions. All, yeah, we're, we're trying to, to find these data points. Wow, the blood type. That's the first that I've heard that. That's a very interesting theory. Thank you for sharing that with us. All right, I think we've got one more question. Yes, Tim, or was that all of them? No, we have one more real one quick. One last question for you and here. here this go. is from Maria. Regarding crop circles, what patterns or characteristics make some instances more mysterious or compelling than others? Well, I look for the really complex uh, geometrical shapes. I look for ones that encode, uh, for example, mathematical concepts or um, fractals and and so some of the some of the great formations have been in the shape of fractal patterns like the Julia set and and that that appeared by Stonehenge incidentally I was one of the first people in that formation back in oh gosh it must be 95 or 96 something like that uh, so I I would look for something like that. And uh, again, I don't know what to make of these crop circles. Some people say that there have been cellular changes to the crops in the formations as opposed to control samples from outside. Again, we, we need scientists and academics to do more work on this, and we need good peer-reviewed papers written up in places like Science or Nature. And I hope people are going to grasp the nettle and do that work. So I would be looking for those sorts of things, evidence of cellular changes and evidence of, of mathematics. And people often say mathematics is the universal language because pi, the, the laws of physics seem to be the same everywhere in the observable universe. So pi will be pi in zeta reticuli on some planet <laughs> orbiting zeta reticuli too. And, and pi is obviously pi here. It will be the same anywhere yeah. in the universe. Tim says that all the time. You know, I'm not very well versed on crop circles, but I was watching a recent Ancient Aliens episode where you guys dove into a crop circle and it, they were showing how the circle actually represented pi in the way that it was carved out. And I don't know the proper terms to describe it, but I found that very fascinating. Maybe we can have you back on for a crop circle show so I can learn more. 
Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, we could do a deep dive into that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that was all of the listener questions. Thank you to everybody that submitted those. We have been so fortunate to have Nick Pope on our show. If you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe, comment, like, share, help us break through that uh, <laughs> breakthrough. What do we call it? The the algorithms so that the we can evil biotech. <laughs> yeah, algorithms. get this information out to everybody. And Nick, for those that would want to learn more about you and your research. I know you write lots of articles. Where could they go to find more about you? My website is nickpope.net and uh, my Twitter or X as it's now known um, handle is at nickpopemod. And the MOD, of course, stands for Ministry of Defense. How could I not grab that handle? I love it. I saw one of your tweets that said something along the lines, if you're here for the soccer player, Nick Pope, sorry to disappoint <laughs> <laughs> that leads to a lot of fun questions. He gets questions about UAP. I get questions yeah. about which way to dive when taking a penalty kick. <laughs> but at least you know your shoulder answer? is not hurt. I think he has a shoulder injury right now. So, Yeah, well, hopefully he'll be back soon because he's doing very well for his team. Oh, wonderful. Well, for all of those of you that are listening, please do tune into the History Channel tonight for the new episode of Ancient Aliens. Also, go purchase your tickets for the Ancient Aliens Live Tour, and that's at ancientalienslivetour.com. You can learn more about our show, All Things Unexplained, by heading to bigfootufo.com. And Nick, we would love to have you back on again sometime. Well, I hope to be able to do that. It's been great talking with you both and, and great having those fan questions too. And um, I hope everyone enjoys Ancient Aliens this evening. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Tim, anything you want to throw in before we sign out? Just got to tell everybody, remind you that the truth is still out there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Stay happy, stay strange, and keep listening to All Things Unexplained. Thanks. Like, share, follow, comment, subscribe, support. What's your hot take on Travis Taylor? <laughs> I've got an exclusive for you guys if you okay. want it about yeah, the Alaska. We do. Okay, okay. More at BigfootUFO.com. All things. Unexplained. So some of that I think, sir, will save for close session. Mm -hmm.